welcome to the Blank Project podcast, where we fill in the blank with whatever you want, whatever you need, wherever you are, no judgment or expectations. I'm your host, Aspen, aka AG, because it always makes me feel cooler. And I am here to give you an announcement. Um, I don't know why you need to be reminded, but um, HBCUs produce greatness. And um, I just want y'all to sit back, relax, and allow me to introduce to you one of the greats. Ebony Satterfield is a Niceville, Tennessee native who holds a special education degree from Alabama A&M University and a master's of social work from the university, from Washington University in St. Louis. She has served as a co-founding board member of City Year Denver, a Ella Baker trainer for the Children's Defense Fund, and co-launched East Tennessee's Freedom School in 2017. However, the United States was not a big enough canvas for her calling. She has served as a director of student services at Manor International in Abu Dhabi, UAE. And in 2018, she was elected to be a part of the Knox County Board as the school board representative for District 1. In this role, she has been shaking up and boldly advocating for those who can't, don't know how, or need a louder voice to echo the important issues for their community. Her talents don't stop there, if that's what you thought. She's also the CEO of Advancing Lives LLC, which is an educational consultant agency, vice chair of the school board, and a very active and excited member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Welcome, Evity, to the show. Thank you, AG. That's I always, I'm always <laughs> fascinated when people read my bios. Like, that's me? Okay, cool. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm so excited to get to talk to you um, in the space of um, education, uh, you being a woman of color, um, and you're just a huge advocate for... Um, just progressing or having people progress educationally. And so um, you've been in this uh, space for a while now. And I just was wondering, uh, do you remember um, the first memory that you had when you were like, okay, I want to be involved in education in some way. I want to be an advocate for blank. Um, is there a, a distinct memory that you have where it clicked for you? Yes. And so I two two kind of pathways when I think about it. So graduating from high school, had a great I graduated from Austin East High School, Austin East Magna High School here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Great experience. Um, but I really I'm the first in my family to go off to school. And so I was not exactly sure what I was going to college for. I knew I wanted to play in the band and I knew I wanted to pledge Alpha Kappa Alpha. Like that was the sole reasons <laughs> of why I was going to college. Um, and I, of course academics, but I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I wanted to be in the sorority and play in the band. And so it became my sophomore year where I took all my core courses and my, I was so blessed to be in TRIO, um, which is like a college support system. And my advisor, Regina Barden, she was like, okay, Evity, you need to declare your major. And I was like, what? I got to declare a major? I thought I could just come to school, you know? Um, and she was like, no, we need to figure this out. Um, 
And she was like, well, what do you like to do? And I said, well, I really like hanging with high school kids because then I was be, I was a um, young life leader and I really find joy in that. She was like, well, become a teacher. And I was like, no, I don't like subjects. Like, I don't like math and science and all that. Like, then she told me, she was like, okay, well, you can become a collaborative teacher. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Again, I'm like 19 years old. I was like, that sounds cool. I'll be a collaborative teacher. So I went through that pathway and that was really the only nudge that I needed to kind of find my grounding in education and collaborative teaching six through 12 is aka special education but I was um, Mm -hmm. more so like in the general classroom population versus um, self-contained and so I went through that pathway learned a lot about education there wasn't many people in that that major at my school and so I was able to take I had to take master courses like I was in the classes with students that were coming to get their masters in special education. So I think that that I'm screaming. Yeah, right. I thought that like I don't I don't think I knew exactly what that meant at 19 and 20. But I'm like, well, I was taking master level courses um, because it just wasn't enough for undergrad. Um, Yeah, but that was a great opportunity. So I went on through that pathway with the education. And I, when I did City Year Denver, I met this young man who was a seventh grader named Shaman Hamilton, still in contact with him today. He's gone, he's getting his master's right now. But I remember a distinct incident where he was, he, there was things that he was doing that was keeping him out of the classroom, like coming out, coming to school at a dress code. And I'm just like, yo, why are you coming out of school at a dress code? And so when I found out what he what the issue was and it was a very much a simple issue that could be solved but it was more so like he didn't trust anybody in the in his in the school for him to tell Mm -hmm. tell them what was going on he trusted me he he told me and so that's that was the moment when I realized it's deeper than teaching kids how to learn how to read or teaching kids how to do math like we have to teach we have to meet these kids needs that are they're not being met at home um and it was it wasn't nothing major but he was a a 12 year old boy that just don't know how to communicate or 11 year old boy that just didn't know how to communicate um but that was so normal he's a normal (laughs) exactly right and there was no there was not enough adults that took the time to figure out what was going on and so that's what kind of pivoted me more into the social work realm of working with young people um, but still very much heavy in education because I do think education is the equalizer when you have quality education for people. Um, that's very beautiful. Shout out to just, wow, <laughs> I think that's really great because sometimes people are like, I've always known, but it's very nice to be like, I didn't really know what was going on know. this person pointing me know. in the right direction. <laughs> and so I'm just here. I'm just here for the vibes. <laughs> Um, I, was, I was just productive for the vibes. Vibes. I was just there for college vibes. That's it. <laughs> Those are very productive vibes. So productive, in fact, that you literally like traveled across the world and um, worked in Abu Dhabi. And so I was wondering, it, it, what's the biggest difference um, in the world of education overseas versus here in the United States? And do you believe that um, there is a lesson that one can learn from the other? Yeah, I will say the biggest thing, um, the education was kind of the same. And we're, we're, the school, again, I was only there for a small amount of time and I was only at one school, but the opportunities that we have in the States are galore. And I think we have, as Americans, even myself, have become so accustomed to what we have that we've taken it for granted 
And when I think about the kids that I worked with over overseas, they were so hungry, like so hungry to get like the best ACT, SAT score. They were so hungry to get into accepting to a college or university. They wanted to come to, the Mer- to America for college. And they were like, what do I need to do? Tell me what I need to do. So just, I mean, that's the educator's dream is to work with kids who want it. Um, and you don't have to pull their teeth. Now, there were some kids that's like, no, nah, I'm good. But it was still a, just a different vibe of like gratefulness um, that yeah. I, I will say that I wish we had that level of um, great being being aware of what we have access to. And I, I think we just, I mean, that's America or Americans. Um, and I, I fall guilty of that too myself. But it, that's why I travel overseas a lot. It's just to kind of put things back in perspective of like, wow, you do have a lot of opportunities. You've gained a lot of success and you have access to things that people dream about. Um, and so then you were overseas, you came back and then it, I mean, it was time for you to get back to your roots. So was it important for you to come back to Knoxville to work in your specific community or is it once again, kind of one of those situations where it just kind of happened and you were like, okay, well, I'm just going to sit in this and enjoy it. Girl, when I say that's my whole life, um, just following the vibes. <laughs> <laughs> following the vibes no I was in Abu Dhabi and I loved it I taught and then afterwards I hung out with friends we went to the beach and as we repeated that every single day right life of luxury but I was sitting there and I was like I was what maybe 26 and I was like yo there's has to be more to life than this similar to why I left education I was like or in the classroom and stuff I was like there has to be more I don't know what is more but there has to be so I was sitting in Abu Dhabi and I was and I felt God telling me like, you, you, you got too much to just be over here chilling like this. <laughs> um, and there's too much that I need you to do. And so I was like, all right, cool. I hear you loud and clear. So I started applying for jobs come, with the idea of coming back to the States, not necessarily coming back to Knoxville. And I applied to jobs. AG, when I say I applied to probably like over 70 positions and not one said, come on. And I know my stuff was okay. Like, it wasn't like... No, I I mean, we know you got a stack. Yeah, business, you know, it wasn't so the best no of the rest, but like, fail. Why y'all not calling me? Are you even taking me <laughs> to the next realm? Um, but the only job that called me was right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And it was a program that I was a part of when I was in high school. And it was a position that was open from a guy that had been there for like over 20 years. I'm one of my mentors. And so I took that position. I had the opportunity to work at the high school I graduated from, which when I think about it, like those are educators. That's kind of like an educator's dream. It's like going to come back directly to the the, the scene that created you. Um, and so I had the opportunity to serve and it was probably my one of my most grateful years in education. And I'm still connected to those kids. This is the class of 2017. Um, they're, they're my kids, like they're my children and we're still connected. I take them out to eat every quarter just to kind of show them examples of what could, what you can have access to, you know? Um, and so that's how I stumbled back in the States. And when that job did not transpire longer, um, I ran for school board and, you know, just going with the vibes. It was a seat open and the person, the people running, I was like, yeah, yeah, I got this. Um, so <laughs> I ran it all the <laughs> So being on the, so being part of the school board wasn't necessarily like 
a part of your I guess what somebody would consider like a long-term goal, it was just kind of like, ah, this seems like the natural transition. I know what the city needs. I know what the area needs. I am a product of this environment. I might as well put myself in this position to be of help. It had never, it had never crossed my mind to go into politics ever until somebody was like, hey, I think you'll be a really good, you know, you should join the, you should join this organization. I did like Emerge Tennessee. It's like a training boot camp for women to get into political office. And it honestly wasn't until the last class. And I was like, oh God, you're telling me to run for school board. <laughs> um, and I literally was just doing it just to just be taking classes and learning. Um, but more so I would, it, I had got to the position like ever to, you know, education, um, and you know, you you hear how they're talking about a community that you're from, and it's not fully mm-hmm. representing it in the way that you know how to represent it. Why not you? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just the vibes, man. <laughs> oh man. So okay. So now that I mean, obviously, you're not even at the top of where you will be professionally. But um, is there any mistake that you felt like you maybe made early on in your in your career that you tell others as like, hey, learn from this lesson, don't do this or do this? Um, I make a lot of mistakes and I'm OK with that um, just because I've always been I've always had the guidance and the teachings of like, you know, fail fast so you can hurry up and get to where you mm-hmm. need to go. Um, and so yeah. I, I've been in that way I will say the it's hard for me to because I'm in a crossroad right now like a limbo right now in life and it's one of those things where you make this decision in life um then you look like 10 years later you're like oh it was that moment where this is why I got to where I'm at right now I'm in that situation now so it's hard for me to clearly think about like wisdom words of wisdom but I will say um, the biggest thing that has helped me is I'm actively searching for feedback um, with people who mm-hmm. who I respect and have walked the walk that I have. And I, I I take the opportunity to say, hey, just tell me what you're seeing. Show me. Tell me how I'm showing up. Um, and I take the feedback or I don't take the feedback. Right. But you're, it's like life lessons. So you can see how you're showing up in the world. I will say the biggest thing that has helped me. Um, and I did this in grad school. I did a 360 survey and I'm going to do another one this time. Um, but it's an opportunity. It's a survey that goes out to everybody that has contact with you, whoever you send it out to. And they're able to give you anonymous feedback on how you how you show up. And that was probably the most it was the hardest thing to read, but the most propelling when it comes to having a level of self-awareness. Um, and so that moment in life opened up a door for me to learn how to have awareness and practice self-awareness and practice being a vulnerable, vulnerable leader. And so that is something that I will say to anybody is like, do the work on yourself and get comfortable with hearing feedback about how you show up and take that as lessons to improve. Um, I will say, and I mean, that's very conceptual, but if you really do the work on like asking yourself and talking to yourself about, okay, this is how I feel about this. This is where, this was the response that this person gave me. Why did they give that response? What can I do to improve the next time? So really working on yourself and just how do you improve? I will say that. Um, But then lastly, mentors when I say I 
I, I make people, my mentor without them even knowing, like I show up and I ask them questions and I let them know where I need them to support me. Like people want to, especially if they see you are a younger person that's driving for that direction, um, people want to help you and give you hands up. You're going to run into people who don't want to, um, but there's more people out there that want to help you and, and show you the pathway. And then once you get that for yourself, you pass it back. So typical stuff, but that's just what's been working for me too. You know, sometimes the typical stuff has to be repeated a couple of times so it can fall on fertile soil and do what it needs to do. Ain't nothing wrong with repeating. <laughs> um, so then let's let's get back. You know, let's keep moving forward, right? Uh, let's talk about Advancing Lives LLC. Mm -hmm. It's a company that plans, designs, and delivers professional development that amplifies, <clears throat> let me get a deep breath so I can... <laughs> not stumble my words. It amplifies race, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. um, how, how did, how did, how did we, how get, did we get here? Did, That's a beautiful question, right? Okay. How did we get yes. here? Like, cause I mean, how? how right. So this is something, you know, you have these seeds planted in you and like God tells you, I'm a spiritual person. God tells me all these things all the time. It's just a matter when I, when I, when I get myself out the way to act on them. So I've always known. So like I wanted to go into consulting, but part of it is like that whole narrative that you tell yourself, are you even experienced enough to tell somebody else something? Um, so I, mm. th that narrative was heavy on me for a while, but I was working in a entry level position um well after all of the expertise that I have acquired and I, I knew <laughs> I shouldn't have gone there but I just did it anyway like I, I, the first day I got the job like the first day I started working I got in my car I cried I was like I just gave away my freedom and my friend was like that's a lot that's extreme calm down <laughs> I was like I'm just caving away um but I just know I wasn't supposed that to sounds be like there. something I but I took <laughs> right but I took the time to kind of figure out what that meant and what, what, you know, now that you're here, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to plan your exit to get out? Right. Cause just leaving is not the option. It could have been an option, but I wanted to use this as a learning lesson, um, through it all. And so I remember telling my coworkers, I started that job in July. I remember telling my coworkers in December and I've been praying. I had went through a breakup. Um, I was engaged with a breakup. Like it was a lot of life happening right now. And I was like, whoa. Um, and I told my coworkers, I was like, I'm leaving in March. And my coworkers was like, well, where are you going? I was like, I don't know. God just told me March is when I'm done. This is December, 2019. And they were like, all right, Evan March is when you're done. So I came back to work in January and I started laying out what I wanted to do. This is January, 2020. And I was going to travel for the first part of the, from mm -hmm. March until June, June into July, I was going to work freedom schools because that's what we have here. And then in July, I actually was going to go work with the state department of education um, in Tennessee. Like I had that lined up. So I was like, okay, cool. There goes the plans. So I put in my four week notice in February um, at the end of February, <laughs> February, 2020. And literally like, I'm ready to go. Everything's mapped out. Literally, the day that, the, the, my last day of work was the day the world shut down. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and so I, I mean, shut down March 2020 of COVID, right? And so I come home yeah. 
and I'm working. Thank God I had like some income coming in. Um, but I was like, yo, the world is really shut down. I'm getting calls. Okay, we're not, you can't travel anywhere. So that goes that first plan. Um, Freedom yeah. School was still kind of in limbo. What did we do? What did we do? The State Department call was like, yeah, we don't know what the budget's going to look like. We're going to hold off on this position. I was like, okay. And so Freedom School happened, but we only lasted like a week. We lasted like a week into June. So I'm literally, yeah. so in April, I was like, okay, well, nobody's going to be hiring me anytime soon. So let me go ahead and get like my license and get a business started. Um, so I got it started, got the website up and going, really took the time on that. And then George Floyd happened in June, 2020. And my friend, um, she's my talent designer. She said, she texted me. She was like, hey, you need to get out there because people are going to be looking for your services. I was like, all right, say less. So on my birthday of June 18th, um, 2020, I launched to the public and I had a college, friend from college. She was also my sorority sister. She was like, hey, I'm leaving this school. They need your help. I think you're the right person for it. I was like, cool. Thank you. And so that was since then, it's just kind of been like, oh, it's just kind of taken off. So, again, stumbled into it. But it's a matter of yep. building your faith and really trusting. Trust. Um, so um, what have you learned about um yourself um or just about the industry in general becoming your own boss yes um again in a transition period right now so there's a lot of lessons happening um i will say that i learned about myself that i put imaginary pressure on on on, on myself and i had the, yeah right i had the opportunity to work with the executive coach who's dynamic and she really helped me like come up with the so what if that happens I'm like yeah you're right so what if that happens like what are the outcomes like like and and and, and I don't know I, well the therapy aspect of taking that like what's happening professional on world and then going into therapy to kind of see where that stems from I've realized that it comes from um my mother but it wasn't mm-hmm. as explicit as like you have to be excellent and you have to be you have to achieve it was just her nature of I just wanted to make sure that I I, I achieved the best way that I could for her and she didn't do anything but it was just like the right. energies that was around because that's the energy she has for herself of just having right. to obtain and be great right um and so that came down to me and it's gotten me a lot of places but it's also has caused more chaos in my own brain than it had had to so really taking a moment to stop and be like okay where's this pressure coming from if you mess up okay you mess up you're going to mess up you, there's nobody here guiding you you are your own boss there's plenty of them. you're only uh you're in your 30s you're your own boss you've got a lot of mess ups can you mess right. up and mess up fast to continue to move forward and so i think the biggest thing is being okay with messing up but then having a level of humility to learn from your mess up for when people correct you um i will say that has been the journey so far <laughs> uh i i love that especially because um as i like i took a break uh, I, I, after i got my master's i mid program I was like I'll go for my doctorate this is what I'm going to do blase 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 but when you graduate in the same year <clears throat> that a whole Panasonic happens um you graduating and then going to a PhD program it kind of gets put on hold it makes you kind of mm-hmm. want to think about some things it maybe forces you into taking a year off of school and so for 
maybe a year or two before I was like, I really need to learn how to give myself grace. I really need to learn how to give myself grace. And it wasn't until that time period where I'm like, oh crap, now I'm going to have to put what I know I need to do into practice. And like you said, it like I had all this pressure on myself and it wasn't because of anything outside of, um, I had my parents um, who really got it out the mud to be able mm-hmm. to get, you know, what they wanted. Like my dad talks about all the time, of the, the simple fact that he gets to walk around his house and um, he doesn't have to worry about his foot coming through the floor. Like that's a big deal for him. You know, uh, he doesn't have to travel and do all this other stuff because his that, home yeah. already looks 10 times better than the home yeah. that he grew up in. And so like when you have um, people like that in your life, or I was raised by grandparents who have Mm -hmm. a very limited education, Um, even by the time my grandfather passed, he actually did not even know how to spell my name. He spelled it by association. Mm -hmm. And so like when he would write letters to me, he would he would write aspirin because that was the closest association that he had with my actual name, because Mm -hmm. those were the things that were in his drawer. And, you know, um, And so like you, I have all of these spirit, these experiences and I'm essentially being raised by these people. And so then it becomes why well, I can't like fail because like I saw all of these people work really hard to get where they got to be able to do what they do. And I just don't want to, I mean, I don't want all of their hard work and their prayers to go to waste. And mm-hmm. so then you put all this extra pressure on yourself and you forget the grace um, component, especially like, um, if, if you are in tune spiritually, if you um, lean into the religiosity of that part of life or whatever, there really is a, a missing component these days. And yes, I can achieve my goal and oh yes, miracles happen. And yes, um, faith without works is dead, but also like there's a component of grace that gets mm-hmm. missed. Um, and I think now like among the people that um, are in my circle, in and around the people that I'm interviewing for this season, I, whether it's directly said or indirectly said, there is this emphasis on, um, I'm going to be successful, but I'm also going to apply grace to myself mm-hmm. in the process. And I think that will help us in future generations be even more successful than they thought that they could be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I really and like I, that. I, yeah, no, yeah. I think that is, that's been a practice, like extend that same grace that you give to everybody else, like to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think about what you said, like family, being the first of stuff is always just a natural pressure, um, especially mm-hmm. for me when I think about, like, I didn't have a struggling childhood. It's kind of like, well, why can't you achieve? You didn't have these, all these other black right. barriers or that people have, so you should be able to. Um, it's kind of like a no-brainer, like, why would you, right? Um, but then I also think about, so we have that family di- uh, dynamic as well, but then also, like, white supremacy of just being a black woman and elevated to these levels where you just have you you've internalized these messages of you have to be 10 times better xyz and it's like at what point and this is the phase that i'm at in life at what point am i like erasing those messages and if i want to show up my best self is just half halfway today then that's my best self and that's just what it is and so really working Ooh, in a way that is so hard that is so hard because like every time you like want to show up as then because especially I can only speak as a black woman but I think outside look at I look at myself from the outside and I'm like if I show up for half myself 
nine times out of 10, it's better than somebody's whole circles doing circles, circles around them. (laughs) Internally, I'm like, I can't believe that Mm -hmm. you would turn up as your, your half a self. Are you kidding me? I did a test. I did a test. I did like, I applied for something. Cause I didn't really care. Um, yeah, God, I didn't get it. And I, when I say I like half a, I don't know if it's called cussing or not. You know, I like mediocre. I don't even know. if I barely did a spell check. Right? Congratulations, you've been accepted. I was like, you know what? I'm not playing. I'm, I'm done playing. Playing with y'all. Like, leave me alone. I'm not even. I'm not even. Yeah, no. I'm currently um um the first quarter of the year. I will be essentially in a position that. Um, number one, I didn't apply for. I applied for another position at a community college. Um, and then they saw my application and then they sent it to another department chair. Mm-hmm. And then the department chair was like, hey, uh, a colleague sent mm-hmm. your resume and stuff. And we were wondering if you wanted to do eight weeks um, teaching a class, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Not thinking much of it. Um, like literally the day after that, my life was like in shambles. Um, like my aunt had passed like the next day I accepted this job that night Thursday night my aunt had passed like Friday morning and um I like literally I kid you not I did not think about it I just said yes I did this email um next day that Monday I get all this information right I'm getting all this entry level and I'm like oh wait like what am I doing this stuff like I'm looking through the emails I'm like y'all are sending me information as if I'm an employee Mm -hmm. and I haven't even had an interview (laughs) To this day, I am building my syllabus. Still have not had an interview. No, you're not gonna and I was do just one. like, I'm not, no, it's set. I um I've already toured. I, I I'm hired. Yeah. I, and I was just like, this is the least effort I put into um any type of post-grad employment. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. I did, I did nothing. And here I but you am. Know what? And it's been... boggling to me. It yeah. is boggling. But I mean, I also think about like, again, the phase that I'm about to head into a person was like, tell me what you need to get here. And I think, well, I know like when you're in God's purpose or in your purpose for your life, like the doors should not be hard. I, I try to go this other way recently. And when I say that door slammed so hard, I was like, God, you didn't have to do all that now. Like, calm down. He was I mean, <laughs> I feel like had to be extra like, like that. It could have been dang. just closed. Like, why you gotta walk? I feel like he was like, I told you, but you wanted to do this anyway. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so God's not a God of confusion. God's not a God of like difficult. He's like, it's right here in your face. Go take it, crazy girl. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's no, how it talks to me. <laughs> oh, I that oh I know that's how I get talked to because I talk crazy back first. I literally be like, okay, so really this is what we're doing. Like, yeah, I, like, mean, I mean, I know I'm difficult, but like chill, relax. Hey. Like, man. So um switching gears, you have a recreational activity um that I love. I do, I truly love. Um, but you you have <clears throat> taking it a step further to a point where I no longer understand it. Um, you, you, like you competitively run, like you be running, running, like I, no, 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 no. It's competitive running. You run with a large group of other people, and then you potentially can get a medal for yes or no. Yes, you can. Okay, so that's competitive running. Thank you okay. so much. Okay. 
for okay. my TED talk for joining my TED talk. Um, why? <laughs> That's so great. And this is coming from this is coming from someone who like would run three miles, j- like just wake up, like oh, I got to get up five a.m. just run three miles, blah blah blah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still can't. I can't understand. I okay, so you have a little life. understanding of running, but you okay? No, I love. That's what I'm saying. I love running. Okay, you have taken it to a level in which my brain cannot comprehend. That's <laughs> and you know what? That's all that I need. I need you to even first understand like the joys of just doing three miles. Okay, um, so I will say I've always been active. Like I've just always enjoyed working out and like getting strong. And they're really big, big on like, I got to get skinny. I just always want to be strong and feel strong. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I started running. I started, so I have a run of my really good friends, Kelvin Yancey. He has a run club in Houston called Zone Fitness mm-hmm. Training, ZFT. And he's been a, the, the, the pillar and the backbone to like just running culture. And his why was, black people don't run and so he was like I want to show that there's a good group of black people who are interested in running and so he's been able to build that and so he's always been my motivator and in 2019 I started kind of picking it up a little bit more and getting active with it but really what pushed me to do it is I was getting invited to all these panels and speak here and I had to send a bio and they'll ask you like what are your hobbies and I, all my hobbies was associated to work and I was yeah. just like I need, and which I enjoyed and I enjoyed the things and traveling is born. I was, so I started thinking, I was like, what could be a hobby that makes me sound so cool? Everybody loves a runner. So I was like, all right, running's about to be my, <laughs> she's a runner. She's a track star. Running's about to be my hobby. And so I said, to, so I started running in 2019. Naturally when COVID hit, everybody was just like, so that was just an outdoor mm-hmm. activity for me, but I set a goal for 2021 that I, so I got active in running constantly um, in 2020. And then my goal for 2021 was that, okay, I want to do a, a race a month, a 5k or more a month. Um, and just, so getting over that hump of even paying for it. Cause I was in the face, like, why do people pay to run? That's ridiculous. Now I'm like spending $200 for races. Like what is going and on? And I think that is where my brain is right so there. That I, said, part right I can run yeah. three miles for free. <laughs> That's good. That's I'll be good. right there. Good cardiovascular health. I'm out of here. I think the race part of it is the community that's associated with it, right? And so like, mm. like I created like run the east side and I invite people to come join with me and it's just fun, right? Like you can run yeah. it. It's like the people join. Everybody doesn't join me all the time. I just did a half marathon. Nobody came with me. They're like, no, every team are not doing that. <laughs> but being on Twitter and talking to other people who run and like that are into racing, like it's such a finite group of people that when she it, it's fun to be a part of that community and so even yeah. today we were like hey we're going to do the race it's called the race in Atlanta it's about it's black people um and it's in October and registration is now and so we're getting a group together so that we can all go there so part of like the big races and stuff is like you get to travel and get to work out but then turn up and have a good time um and so it's just a community and then also we're launching a virtual zone fitness training, launching a virtual uh, race club so everybody could come and join. So I'm just saying, wow. I'm just saying. Wow. It, this, this sounds like a challenge. Um, <laughs> and that thing, I don't know it. I don't know if you know this, but I am a, um, I am a sucker for a double dog dare. 
it takes absolutely almost nothing to dare. I will do almost anything on a dare as long as it is, it is not ethically or morally compromising. I already put you in. I would, yeah, gotcha. Maybe even I, sometimes, maybe this could be risky enough to. <laughs> You know what, even, but even if it could potentially do that, like the jail time, like if I can justify the okay. jail time, like okay. if it's not a real jail time where I could talk myself out of it, maybe I have to sit for a couple of hours or whatever. I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. No, no like, it is what that. it is. You know, like it's not on my record or whatever. So we're fine. I'll just sit it. Um, but yeah, no, I'm a double dog dare. Come on. Um, we'll launch it. I'm going to sure I tag you when we launch it. But also think about running. When we think about like life lessons of running, it's nothing running. You can never conquer running. There's always like, you can always get faster. You can always go longer. Yeah. Like there's never a end goal of running. And I think, yeah. and, and all runs are completely different. Like you can be in your best shape, go out for a run and you're like the slowest that you've ever been. Um, and so there's always like, and I think about the half marathon that I just did struggle through it was raining for the first two hours. And then the last hours, the sun come out. And I was just like, I took off my wet clothes, changed it to an outfit, put my headphones down. I was like, all right, guy, you got to take me through these last four and a half miles. Cause look, and when I say like, you're just thoughts and just God and just that process. And just when you finish and like, it's a journey that never ends. Um, and if yeah. I parallel that with like the, my life and my professionalism and what I want, or, like professional growth and my career, it's a journey that will never end. And so it, it just helps me, helps me stay grounded. And then it also helps me be excited. Cause like, I don't be excited about like accolades and achievements and stuff like that. Cause it's because I just be like, duh, like my family like laid a foundation. I've done the work. It's kind of like it's it's my mama told me I was great when I was six years old. Yeah. So I'm gonna do great things. Like, what did you think this was? Yeah, just it does, and I don't know what that is, what it is, but God's put me on this earth to do great things, and that's what we all supposed to be doing. God did not put me on this earth to go run half marathon. So for me, it feels like that's the challenge in life for me. Oh man, that is so beautiful. That's like, it's just almost poetic about running. It makes me want to go run today. I'm not, but it makes me want to. I'm just not feeling well enough to like run. And I'm like, I already know, I could feel it. Like I'll run, get like a mile and a half in. I know I'm going to up Chuck. So I'm like, never mind, don't even, because that's going to make me mad. Like it'll make me mad. It, it will. I yeah. don't like it. Exactly. It's a battle. It is a literally a battle. And as soon as, as soon as I'm mad, my brain is like, all right go home turn on like a nollywood and call it a day like don't even worry about this like play the wedding party too again or something because like we're not doing this um but so in an ideal world um what would the world what would the the academic space the world of education look like if you could create it for yourself um the pedagogy that all educators will live by will be children of the fence fund freedom schools pedagogy i think that would be like the basics learning of teaching um i don't know i just feel like we have to blow up the system that we have now and i don't know what that looks like or how do you replace it but the system that we have now from my perspective and what i believe it upholds the it upholds white supremacy in a way that if that doesn't get blown up, then we're never going to blow up what people are actively working for at an adult age. And so, because it's being entrenched and taught at a very early age of dominance, hierarchy, all those isms mm-hmm. that are there. Um, and so, until you get to the root of stuff, then 
you're just going to continue to produce. And so I, I would say pedagogy was it's East Tennessee Freedom School. I even think of like the Montessori model, right? And so how can we adopt that to where like people grow in their own terms? But you're also combating what's happening at home. Um, yeah. And so we could have a child for six, seven hours. They go home. Whatever you just did in that six, seven hours is just like split. So. I don't know, Aspen. <laughs> I just pray. I mean, hey, you, you don't have to know. You got the vibes. I yeah. just was throwing a question. Out there. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I just be telling kids, get out, of, get out of school and go and explore your life and do something. I think every child after high school should be able to like travel for a year at least to like a different country and see and discover. That's, that's real. That's real. There, I believe in gap I, years. I believe in gap years from like adults all the way down to kids. Like take a year off to figure it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess I had an indirect gap year or whatever. <laughs> and I just I wonder like that's to be something, right? It's like you have three gap, every citizen has three gap years. Yeah. And then the government will pay basic minimum to get you yeah. through your gap year, right? Um, and if like, you could pull down $25,000 a year, if you want to explore a gap year, um, right. you get three of those options for all of your life. I think that should be like, those. Are- I think that, that that would make a world of difference. It truly would, because then it's like, it, if you don't plan ahead to have a gap year, then the gap year doesn't feel yeah. like a gap year because like my, you know, I graduated or whatever. Not really. I didn't walk across the stage or nothing, but it got mailed to my house. And then I moved back to Texas and I didn't feel like, I still don't feel like I got my master's. I know where it is. I touched the degree, but I still don't feel like it. And I think a part of it is obviously a pandemic. The other part of it is um, this idea of when you graduate, you do these physical things that signify the end of a chapter and then the other part of it is is that the, my life it just the life doesn't look like what I had originally intended for it to look like because in my plan it did not include um a whole epidemic like it just that wasn't I wasn't like you know what I'm gonna do this blah 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 and so it wasn't until like a couple of weeks like 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 mid 2021 where I was kind of like I finally started to like feel like myself to see like oh okay well I kind of have been sitting down long enough like what is that what does it look like to be actively in that space and my mentor was like you need to talk to this person this person this person let's actively get back in in Mm. in your bag and let's do this and let's do that and so like it still makes me so apprehensive and scared because for so long I've just been trying to figure out who I am um, without being the student but the other part of me is like, what's the point of planning if we still got this whole pandemic? Because it's probably <laughs> it's not ending. Because if it sh- if it shoot my plan again, <laughs> we gonna have to squad. <laughs> I would say that too. Like, it, I will remember. I'll never forget this conversation. And I I don't even know who this lady is. And I promise you, nobody probably even recalls this, but it stuck with me so much. So she graduated from WashU. And she said to us, we were students at WashU. She said, you will not see the fruits of this degree. She was like, you went to WashU, great degree, this great school, but you will not see the fruits of this degree till five years, at least five years later. And I was like, wait a minute. Uh-uh, if I'm coming out of WashU, I better get a job out of, out 
automatically. When I say I graduated from Washington in 2014 and I started Advancing Lives in 2020, it was six years later. And I finally feel like the work that I'm doing is a direct practice to what I did in the classroom. And that's six, seven years later, right? And so I, I've been where you've been. I was just like, wait a minute, when I get this master's, <laughs> I'm supposed to do X, Y, Z. But I always hung, I always remembered what she said because it really rubbed me so, like the wrong way. Um, yeah, that, it's irritating me. <laughs> <laughs> but looking back now at five, six, seven years later, I was like, oh, wow, this is the fruits of that labor right there. So that was yeah. the seed. This is now the tree from it. Um, so that is and then also I had a shaken up moment too where I was like nothing in life was going well and I was talking to my friend and he was like so are you done I was like basically are you done complaining <laughs> I was like yes he was like it looks like you just need to build your faith back up and get back out there and so that's what right. I, that's what I did in de- um, December 2019 I signed up for to speak at this um UT um, be one of the presenters at UT in January and they picked my presentation and I was like and they did and I was there and it was impactful it was powerful uh thank you big fan big fan <laughs> and then one of my favorite it was his Cobra Prosper he was like just get back out there and I was like all right and that was the first time I had got back out there since I moved from Abu Dhabi wow that is so crazy wow. that was like it it was such a fun like I I really enjoyed it and I went because I was like okay I know who this person is I've quietly been like stalking her I'm really intrigued by her like there's something here so I was just going out of curiosity quite honestly and then I was like oh no wait she's really in her oh oh she's really in her bag and this just isn't any bad this is a Louis Vuitton like wow I <laughs> it squeezed me and I I just I felt so challenged and I looked at the world of education different and you know I didn't get no call to be on nobody's board praise be but it was enough for me to be like oh let's be intentional in this area or let's make sure that when I am around students or kids that um I'm I'm making sure that I'm being impactful in this area and being Uh, intentional with the words that I use and if I am being placed in a position to create a curriculum to do things like what does that world need to look like and so thank you no yeah that was the first for a long time I was like all right here we go um yeah (laughs) and it was so good to bring on a friend of mine to help me as well Mm -hmm. she was good so yeah I mean it's a journey we don't, nobody got this figured out and that's the more that I'm learning I was like oh you done made all this money you at the top and you still don't know okay cool I'm, I'm in good company <laughs> <laughs> well the podcast is called the blank project because it's an opportunity to fill in the blank with whatever we need or want wherever we are in life if you could fill in the blank space for yourself what would you fill it up with this could be anything I would want to fill it up with a button that I can push on my body (laughs) that automatically stops my mind from like thinking of like what could happen and just getting in this very like high anxious place and just float in the society. Like I take these stress gummies sometimes, only stress gummies, they're amazing. But I just want to float throughout life like that. And not in no highway, but it's just like not thinking about not 
not having mm-hmm. my mind go to the extreme mm-hmm. and just continue to do the work that's right in front of me and do it great and do it excellent and don't worry about tomorrow. So maybe a worry-free button. Even though I tell myself I don't worry, but I mm-hmm. like I will not open the computer because I know what's in that email and I know all the things I need to do. So a button that That'd will say nice. get over that right. hump. Type uh, I don't mind that. I don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind like a, a just a, a anti catastrophizing button. That's what they, they call it mm-hmm. therapy catastrophizing. Mm-hmm. I just, I press the button. It'll be obviously waterproof because mm-hmm. who wants to be electrocuted? Um, and then I exactly. just bloop, bloop. It'll be cute. It should change colors. That way it could fit in like every outfit. You never feel like you need to, but yeah, it'll, hmm. And then I just power through. <laughs> power through. A super cyan. I, I, I just, uh, okay. All right. All right. Is there anything that I could do to help you to work towards that? Would it include uh, reminding you who you are? Would it be like? I would want you to, well, you know, what made me really, really happy is that you... <laughs> When you get back into your running space, that you sign up and do a 5K next year. Because you already can run two miles. That's just 3.1. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am uh, so happy to end this podcast right where we are. Because... <laughs> are you in what part of Texas are you in? Houston. Oh, oh, you absolutely. Do you know what will make huh. me happy? Is if you show up to zone fitness training one Saturday and do running and say, I'm here because Evity told me to come. And we can talk offline on what that looks like, but Aspen, that will make me so happy. Okay, I guess. I see. It's three miles. You, you've you done three miles. Yeah, before. but like I shredded my knees a couple of, uh, a little minute ago and I was like, oh, I put too many miles on my knees. I was like, woo wee. That would make me happy. That would make my day. You show up to Zone Fitness Training on behalf of Everett T. Satterfield. All right, good sis. I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll, okay, I'll see what I could do. Girl, I'll bye. try my best. Then, <laughs> okay. So, um, Advancing Lives LLC. Somebody is looking for your services. Where are they looking? Yeah. Plug yourself. Yeah, Advancing Lives llc.com that is where you can find me or you can find me on evity e-v-e-t-t-y janice j-a-n-e-s-e um on my social medias that's twitter and ig i don't really do much twitter for my business um which i'm grateful for i kind of appreciate that like low-key aspect to it um but you could definitely find me on linkedin too so yeah it's probably only it's one Evity Satterfield in the whole entire world, so it's not going to be hard. <laughs> Evity, I just want to thank you once again for joining the Blank Project family officially. I'm so grateful that you took time to speak with me, and um, you put me on game and you challenged me, which wasn't the goal here, but um, apparently I'm gonna I'm gonna run. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you.